Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? I had our Calvary Chapel webpage up. Just make use of it. A lot of good information there. Get previous teachings, and you get our service times a lot. Uh, you can even write letters to get in contact with us through the webpage. So, as we want to get moving along this morning, uh, I thought I would go right into this day in history. I was looking through some of the things. There was a lot that went on this day. Uh, here's your ponderment for the day, your brain puzzle. What is the largest room in the world? Mm, anybody? Largest room in the world. The room for improvement. There you go. And let's see. This is the feast day of St. Vitus, patron saint of those with chorea, a condition characterized by involuntary rapid motion such as shoulder shrugs, grimacing, and finger flexing. Hmm. I guess it's for the politicians in, <laughs> in uh, D.C. No, I don't know. That was a bad one. Uh, that is a serious, obviously, condition. And it's nice. Somebody's thinking of them for sure. But patron saint, I don't know how the, exactly that works. Well, let's see. 1896, there was a massive earthquake in Japan in Sanriku, it was 100 miles off the coast of Honshu, resulting in two tsunamis, destroyed 9,000 homes, caused 22,000 deaths. That's a big earthquake. First attempt at motion pictures, most of you know this, 1878 on this day, Leland Stanford was commissioned to film a horse galloping in order to determine if the horse ever lifts up all four hooves from the ground while galloping. And he set up those string of cameras along the track that each time the horse went by, he hit one of the strings and the camera took a picture. And after all the cameras were developed and they put it together, they found out, yes, the horse did lift up all four feet. And uh, first black graduate to West Point on this day, 1877. First known aviation fatality. French balloon aviator Jean-Francois, somebody, somebody, can't even say that whole name. Became the first known aviation fatality when their balloon, oh, and two people, crashed while attempting to cross the English Channel. Hmm, very sad. I had a kid, guy that I grew up with, pretty much died the same way as a balloon pilot. Good guy. First American witchcraft execution. Margaret Jones was convicted and executed in Charleston, Massachusetts. One of the tests of witchcraft given to her consisted of observing her for 24 hours, during which time an imp was seen feeding off her. The test was from the book, The Discovery of Witches, and from 1647 by Matthew Hopkins. It claimed that if a person has a witch, then imps would have to feed off the witch every 24-hour. Imps were witches familiars who depend upon the witch for daily sustenance. Former governor of Massachusetts, Bay Colony, John Winthrop, claimed to have seen the imp in the clear light of day. She was the first victim of a witch hunt that lasted in 1648 to 1693. About 80 people in New England were accused of practicing witchcraft 
with over 20 executed for the crime. I don't know what to say about that. Well, let's see. I think that's it for now. Now we will turn to the all-important and very and very needed and appreciated dad jokes. And again, thank you, Hank, for sending in the good ones. I think I may have heard this a few years ago, but I didn't certainly didn't remember it when I reread it. Let's see if you guys know this one. The oldest computer was owned by Adam and Eve. It was an apple with very limited memory. Just one bite and everything crashed. (laughs) I thought that was a very well, well thought out and written dad joke. So we are ready to go into the word for today. We are in Proverbs 13, 14, and 15. Acts chapter 2, the famous Acts chapter 2. So let's pray. Father, thank you for another beautiful morning. And we turn our attention now to your word for edification, for correction, for building up in righteousness, all the things that we desire for you to do in our lives. So guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 13, contrast the upright and the wicked. The wise son accepts his father's discipline, but the scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of a man's mouth, he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violence. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. The righteous man hates falsehood, but a wicked man acts disgustingly and shamefully. Righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the sinner. There is one who pretends to be rich, but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor heart, but the poor hears no rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices. The lamp of the wicked goes out. Through insolence comes nothing but strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. Good understanding produces favor, but the way of the treacherous is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. A wicked messenger falls into adversity, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. Desire realized is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to turn away from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Adversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Abundant food is in the follow ground for the poor, 
but it is swept away by injustice. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the stomach of the wicked is in need. Chapter 14. The Contrast, the Upright and the Wicked. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back. The lips of the wise will protect them. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of the ox, and a trustworthy witness will not lie. But a false witness utters lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is goodwill. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will have his fill of his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied with his. The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. The wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The naive inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow down before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. They will not go astray, devise evil, but wickedness and truth will be to those who devise good. But kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's glory. But in the dearth of people there is a prince's ruin. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor 
taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge when he dies. Wisdom rests in the heart of the one who has understanding, but in the hearts of fools it is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The king's favor is towards a servant who acts wisely, but his anger is toward him who acts shamefully. Chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Great wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the house of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves one who pursues righteousness. Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. The way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. The wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from Sheol below. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked. But he hears the prayer of the righteous. Bright eyes gladden the heart. 
Good news puts fat on the bones. He whose ear listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself. He who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor comes humility. And I was mentioning yesterday, and it was probably in the Spanish hour, that for me, the way to handle Proverbs, because there's so, so many sayings, is to just listen and let the Lord show you the ones he wants you to focus on, the one or two or three. And because we can't really take all that in. They're all, they're all unified, but they're all separate. They're all about contrasting wicked people and righteous people. But you take the ones that mean something to you that maybe God wants you to think about, focus on. Are you a person that loses your temper easily? Mm, well, that would be where you'd focus in on. But also just the whole reflection of the ultimate downfall of the wicked. For me, when I was reading that, it says the Lord is far from the wicked. But here's the prayers of the righteous. And everything hinges on how near you are to the Lord. Because when the Lord is far from you, the rest of your life, everything you do will be folly. Everything you do will end up in ruins. You can try and be a good person, but um, if you start down that path and you reject the Lord and you go after ill-gotten gain, and you try and cheat, and you try and get wealth quickly, and uh, and you're not really working for it, and you're trying to manipulate everything around you, because after all, we're supposed to have every, what we want right now. Don't wait around. This is the generation of give it to me now, and I don't want to work for it. Then you fall into folly, and the Lord becomes far from you. And it's a tragedy. It's a serious tragedy. And the generation that we are seeing and now moving from the millennials to the new generation, our generation has been brought up without wisdom. They don't teach wisdom. They don't even teach common sense in schools anymore. Used to be that you would have classes on just basic common sense, how to think about things, how to think through an issue. And what's so sad is in today it's not about thinking. It's just about how you feel. You feel like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly. You cry out and make a big deal of it and tell everybody that they have to somehow bow down to your feelings. And then you demand criminal justice against people who don't. So this is very true, these sayings. And I would just encourage you to go back, skim over them. If anything spoke to you personally, then you look at those things and, and either go, thank you, Lord, that you're building up the wisdom in me. Thank you that you, I've, I've, I've received instruction. And thank you that, I, that you've allowed me to come into your presence and you're building. I've come so far. I like to read these things and say, thank you, Lord, for how far you have brought me and for the many people in my life who have spoken a lot of wisdom to me and encouraged me to follow the right knowledge, 
to step away from the worldly knowledge and focus in on what the Bible says, which is truth and life. So thankful for the many people who have prayed and the many people who have constantly shared things. Not always happy to hear some of them, but the things that help you correct and get back on track. That's the beauty of the, of the Proverbs. They are, they're very convicting, but they're also very encouraging. Acts chapter 2 now, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterances. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language, to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. Verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, hold me back from doing a sermon on this one. It is the foundation, the birth of the church, we call it, the acts of the apostles here with these tongues of fire. And I don't want to emphasize on the tongues of fire, which everybody always wants to get focused on. It was just a manifestation to get people's attention. Something supernatural, something beautiful. What, they, what was amazing was people hearing the glories of God in their own language. All of these people from all over, so what do we learn from this? 
that Jesus, now that he's taken up, says, now I want you to take my word to the ends of the earth. So to begin with, he brings the ends of the earth to Jerusalem so they can hear of the glories of God, that Jesus has risen, that he is the Messiah, he is Savior to all the Gentile nations. This is before Paul. This is pretty amazing. The Jews are thinking, and the apostles too, really, well, hey, he came to save us. We came for the Jews, but right away, God is reaching out and sharing with all the nations of the world. And Peter recognizes it and says, you know, this is this was prophesied by Joel. And the prophecies is, is fascinating because we see right away that Peter says that the Lord says, Joel says, this is what's going to happen in the end days. So we also know from Peter that this begins the end days, the last days before the Lord comes back. And it's kind of weird to think about it for us. It's been 2,000 years, but it's still considered the last days before the Lord returns. It's, it's the season of the return of the Lord. It's the season where, where Jesus has now been established and he's taken back essentially control, not title deed yet, but control. He is fighting back the forces of Satan that had full control. Now he's coming and proclaiming himself king and for all who would come to him would be saved. That would call upon his name. And so all the other things, the sun turning dark and the fire and the smoke and signs in the heavens, that is the end of the end days. So we have the beginning with the tongues of fire, the prophesying, everything there, and then we have the end of the end days. And these are the things we should be looking for now. And these are things that we see also described first in the book of Revelation. The ultimate fulfillment of what Joel talks about here seems to be what we'll see in the book of Revelation. But there is some indication that these signs in the heavens are things we can be seeing now as well. And I've commented on that on different topics, different teachings. So it is all about those who everyone will call upon my name will be saved. Everyone, Jew and Gentile. And this is now why we call this the birth of the church. What a glorious thing that happened. Don't get caught up in the whole you know, speaking in tongues thing, is it for today or or not? When you read Acts chapter 2, read about what it's saying, what's really happening. This is God saying, I'm establishing my church, I'm coming again, and if you call upon me, you'll be saved. So the whole issue of tongues in that instance was for that purpose, there is Paul is going to deal with tongues in Corinthians as far as how people could use it in the church to encourage the church. So we see here, here it's used for the proclamation and for the gospel and the spread of the church, the establishment of the church. This is why if you're dispensational, you say, ah, she was one time is there, blah, blah, blah. But then also it was to be used to glorify God. It was being used to glorify God here without a doubt. That's what they were all doing. But it was in the church, God seems to have also given it for the edification of believers. So we have these two, in a sense, distinct ministries of tongues for the church. And as long as it's done accordingly, exactly as Paul said in verse 12, 13, and 14 in Corinthians, I don't have a problem with it. The problem is, 
90% of churches that do speak in tongues and get carried away and do it unbiblically and get out and, and don't and have um, too many people that are, are faking it because they want to feel and be seen as being spiritual. They want the experience. They, they're focusing on emotion. Uh, and that's just a fact. I happen to have uh, a man who traveled Mexico and he was traveled it for a year, going to church, to church, to church, to church. He was very open-minded. He was very grounded at the at the time. And he came back to me and he says, I, I said, so I noticed you, you visited, I said, 80, 90%, 80% of the church in Mexico are Pentecostal and stuff. I said, so what's your takeaway on tongues? He says, after being a year in all the churches, and not only Sunday, but Wednesdays and everything, he says, I think I might have seen it three times three different people that was real, everybody else. I said, that's interesting. That's very interesting. He said, there was something different about those three. And it was very God-focused and very, very, very just just from the heart. Everybody else is part of the service. So I just say that for both groups, those of us that are very close to it and say, mm-mm, can't happen today. And those of us that say, absolutely, it happens all the time, and we should all be doing it. And if you don't do it, you're not saved, or you're not you know, walking in the Spirit. There needs to be the right dividing of truth. You need to go back to Proverbs, and read the Proverbs, learn about wisdom, and pray. Ask God about it. But no, most importantly, is to glorify God, edify the body, and communicate, at least in the case of Acts, the glories of God to the unbeliever. So read 12, 13, and 14 if you have questions on tongues and see what the Lord shows you there. All right, Charles Spurgeon, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem in the days of thy life. Psalm 128.5. This is the promise of the God-fearing man who walks in the ways of holiness with earnest heed. He shall have domestic blessedness. His wife and children shall be a source of great home happiness. But then, as a member of the church, he desires to see the cause prosper. For he is as much concerned for the Lord's house as for his own. When the Lord builds a house, it is but fitting that we should desire to see the Lord's house builded. Our goods are not truly good unless we promote by them the good of the Lord's chosen church. Yes, you shall get a blessing when you go up to the assemblies of Zion. You shall be instructed, enlivened, and comforted, where prayer and praise ascend, and testimony is born to the great sacrifice. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Nor shall you alone be profited. The church itself shall prosper. Believers shall be multiplied, and their holy work shall be crowned with success. Certain gracious men have this promise fulfilled to them as long as they live. Alas, when they die, the cause often flags. Let us be among those who bring good things to Jerusalem all their days. Lord, of thy mercy, make us such. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Not much more that I can add to that. Father, we thank you for a beautiful morning, and we thank you for all that you're doing, praying that my brothers and sisters are having a clear and beautiful morning and they're not stuck 
in heavy rain or in mud or in <laughs> I'm extreme north, maybe maybe up in the icy icy um, sleet or something. But we thank you that you give us good things, God. We have so much to be thankful for. God, I just was listening to a report of how South Africa goes through the whole country, goes without electricity for up to 12 hours a day, every day, since the beginning of the year. They have a huge problem with their infrastructure, and they don't have a way to keep their food cold. They don't have a way to keep the lights on. They have have so many difficulties, God, and I can't imagine what that does with the crime rate and the people's frustration. So, Father, we're so thankful we, we, we take for granted what we have, that we can rely on our electricity. As we learned Sunday, Father, when our electricity went out in the church in the second service, and God, you kept things going. I'm just thankful, God. I was just really happy that everybody was fine. They wanted to go on. No, like, no fans, no electricity in the middle of the heat, and willing to listen to my shouting. And uh, you were glorified in that. So it reminded me of the blessings of the simple things, like a fan, a sound system. And we have all of that in our homes, God. We have so many things that make our life comfortable. So help us to be thankful and to continue to walk uprightly before you. And the things that we should be most thankful for is the knowledge we gain the wisdom that is imparted to us by the truths we find in your word. And we thank you that someone at some point prayed for us, showed us the Bible, brought us into an understanding that you yourself supernaturally touched us as you've been touching many people supernaturally and bringing that knowledge to them through dreams and visions and different things. So God, we're so blessed and thank you. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our jobs, for the food, that we have to eat today. We attribute all of that to you because you're a good God and you bring these things into our life and you bless us and you even say that the faithful and the righteous will increase in wealth and the longevity of life. And even that, God, we know we don't deserve that either, but we thank you for it. And, and God, we do pray for our friends that are seeking to walk with you and are righteous that you would help them in their quest for health, to get through the difficult times, the things that are difficult in their life. Pray for Hank and pray for um, everyone. And there's, Father, there's just too many to mention, but we do want to remember them. And anyone needing surgery, God should bring them into full health. And the caster lines with their daughters who are fighting for their life with this Lyme disease, Bartonellis, Bartonellis, uh, and trying to get the, rid of the, the toxins and the bacteria in their body. God, we pray that you do an amazing job with them, that you would clean out their systems completely and help them. And God, for our friends here that have cancer, just touch their bodies. God, for total healing. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the service last night and just guiding us through your word. And our new friends were there. As well, we thank you for Jolene and her winning her kind of case with Canada to uh, get her pension down here and be able to live here full time. We, we, it's just a answer to prayer, God. And we thank you for what you're doing in so many people's lives, allowing them to come down here, be a part of the fellowship, God, bring them on, 
Thank you. Use them as your ministers. We need so many people to work and be ministers of your gospel. We thank for bringing Jonathan from England down here, who is just daily ministering and being a part of the fellowship and blessing us and leading people to the Lord and blessing the kids of the mission. God, thank you for men like him have such a strong heart for you. May you continue to provide for him and bless him and all that he does. Bless his trip home today, over to back to Pennsylvania for a while, and then ultimately to England. So thank you, God, for the wonderful, wonderful week that we have and all that you are doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for continuing every day. We are getting close to halfway through the Bible. Got a couple more weeks. So we, right when we move into July, we'll be halfway through. So you might want to think about inviting people and say it's a good time to start just to get a taste for what it is to read the Bible in a year and let us encourage one another because this is where wisdom is found. This is where we gain understanding. This is where we start seeing God make a difference in our life and we can come out of the cloud of the confusion of everything that's going on in the world. So God bless you guys richly and we will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you.